Good morning, everyone. I hope you are well today and already experiencing the presence and the blessing of the Lord. Uh, this morning, I want to talk a few through a few different things. Um, a little bit disjointed as I look down at my piece of paper, uh, but I just feel that God wants to say something. So I just ask that that we be ready. Even I expect to hear something from the Spirit. Father, we just pray that as we look into your word this morning, that by your spirit you will open our hearts and our minds, that we might change to be more like you, that we might become channels of your love to one another, that we might become examples of holiness to all we come in contact with. Bless your holy name. Three people were once asked the question, And the question was simple, what is faith? What is faith? Uh, It's a question that can produce Bible studies that go on for forever almost. Uh, But they came up with three rather simple definitions of faith. The first one said that faith is getting hold of God. Faith is getting hold of God. The faith that we have is a gift from God. And it is pictured as our ability to trust him. Our faith in God means that we are relying upon God. But so often we find that our faith in God is just a theory because we are anxious. We're fearful. We don't do what we should do. But faith is getting hold of God. The second definition was not dissimilar to that, but it was holding on to God. Faith is holding on to God. It isn't just reaching out in a point of desperation and getting hold of God. It is just making sure that we keep a hold of God, that we keep uh, our faith strong, uh, that we are holding on to him through the difficult times and also through the blessed times we those extremes can be very very dangerous because we become um, fearful at one end of the spectrum and and at the other end we can become quite proud and and self-seeking the third definition of faith the first one being it's getting hold of god the second one being it's holding on to god but the third one is not letting god go God has to be central to our lives. Sometimes we, we, we become wordsmiths. We become clever with uh, checking up on words and understanding what they say. But unless that takes us closer to God, it's an academic study. It's an academic thing, uh, experience that, that doesn't help our walk with God. It doesn't help our Christian growth. It doesn't help us in serving God. Faith is those three things, getting hold of God, holding on to God, and not letting God go. In uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, we read uh, this verse. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. That last phrase, in accordance with the faith God has distributed 
to each of you. He has distributed to us faith. It's a gift from God. And it's there for us. And we mustn't think of ourselves uh, higher than we than we ought. If we find ourselves looking down on other people, be sure that we've let God go. If you find yourself feeling superior to other believers, be sure that you're in the wrong place. If we find ourselves anchoring after position or power or, or, or situation, then we've lost our faith because our faith has been placed into us and we're trusting ourselves where God has given us faith to trust him, that we can have a humility that allows him to have his way. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, uh, Paul in his letter to them, told them to do everything without grumbling. Uh, we know that through the wilderness years, the, the, the children of Israel were under great threat because they grumbled against uh, Moses. But in reality, even though I hurt Moses, it was an offence to God because the people were not trusting in God. They hadn't put him in that rightful place. The whole Christian story, the whole ethos behind it is God becoming man, dwelling among us so that he can relate to us, so that we can receive from him all that we need for successful, for blessed, for lives that move forwards in a real way. As believers, there can be times when we are judgmental. There can be times when we are unkind. There can be times when we want to use our cleverness. And there's a story of a, a professor in a theological college or university, I'm not sure which university, um, but an enthusiastic young man sent a card to the professor and it said simply, are you saved? Are you saved? The assumption being because he, he was an academic, that he had no experience of God. But the response of the professor was that he, he, he wrote a whole piece, but in essence, what he wrote was this, that, say, that, that being saved has three parts to it. It has three of the, the, the phrases, passive uh, particles, I think that's how it's called, participles, something like that. I'm not an academic, so I don't know. But the three things were this. I know I have been saved. That's the first thing. Are you saved? I know I have been saved. I know that I have been saved. Physically, uh, I, I know that I was uh, born in September of 1955. Uh, I know it was a Sunday. I know it was Sunday morning. I know the address. It was at 29 Bowling Street, Mansfield. I know whereabouts in the house. It was in the front bedroom. It was a two up, two down house. Uh, there was no bath in the house. There was no toilet in the house. Uh, it was uh, very poor that way. But that's where I was born. But you know, I can't remember any of that. The facts that I've given you are true. But they're facts that I've learned after the event. I was there, but I didn't know what was going on. And there are times in our Christian walk where 
We're there, but we don't know what's going on. But it's important at those times that we can look back and say, I know that I'm alive spiritually because I know when I was born again. I was born again, not in Bowling Street, Mansfield, but in Cranbrook Road, York. I know it was in the summer of 1968. I know that I was there because I prayed a prayer and my life changed dramatically. But at first it didn't really change at all. I felt the same. I looked the same. I was still very much as I was before. But when I look back, I know that God planted himself. He planted a seed within me that day. And that seed is continuing to grow. I've still a long way to go before I'm harvested. Uh, But I know that I was saved back then. And I know that the blessing of God has been for all that time. But the second thing is, I believe that I am being saved. The scriptures tell us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. When uh, Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That is a responsible thing that we need to recognize. The second passive meaning to that word is that I am being saved. Each day I need to come to God. Each day I need to repent. Each day I need to put first his will, his desire, his purposes in my life. Not that I am in control, but that through his guidance, I can lead my life along the path that he has set before me. And then the the third aspect of this is that the first one being, I know that I've been saved. The second one, I believe I am being saved. And the third one is, I hope I will be saved. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I hope that I am still in Christ Jesus when I stand before the Father. I hope I am still reliant upon him in that day when I will be looked upon. And rewards will be given out and judgments will be made. I cannot guarantee that because I may make wrong decisions. That's why the responsibility is with us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. If we've made wrong decisions, we need to put them right. If we've gone to wrong places, we need to withdraw from that. We need to put his will first and foremost. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church about their communion times he he was being judgmental the reason being some people were coming early and uh, and eating all the food eating all the bread uh, and then they were drinking all the wine and getting drunk and people were coming and there was nothing left for them to participate with and it was a very very practical outworking but there are truths there that we need to recognize It says in verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 11, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. And then a couple of verses later in verse 31 it says, But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. Almost contradictory 
statements because there's a spiritual truth to this, not just a case of being polite and considerate. We need to do those things. And that's the underlying thing in our relationships, that we are polite, that we are considerate. It says in verse 29, anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now with communion, we know that it's the bread that represents the body of the Lord. But if you read further down, we come to realize that we are part of a spiritual body. And I believe that scripture is quite explicit in that we must recognize the body of Christ. We must recognize that everyone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ is part of the one body. He only has one body. He doesn't have a Pentecostal body and a Catholic body. He doesn't have an Anglican and a Methodist body or a Baptist body. He has a body. And we who are believers are part of that body. And if we do not love one another, if we do not prioritize one another, then we are in danger of not working out our salvation as we should. If we feel superior. I remember some years ago in Liverpool, uh, a, a, a minister talking about going to a conference. And he said he only stayed there for half a day because he didn't want to be contaminated by the other ministers who were attending the conference. The man with the problem was the man whose pride uh, was, was, was so negative. The devil just laughs up his sleeve when he sees us speaking disparagingly about one another, when he sees Christians standing against Christians uh, and, and not recognising that we are all part of that same body, that one body of Christ Jesus. Bit of a challenging word this morning, but let's hesitate before we do our communion. Just for a few moments, as we read through the words of the communion that Paul recorded in 1 Corinthians 11, as we go through those things, if we do harbour within our hearts pride, if we find that we look down on others or just consider others of, of no value, you know, you may be the heart of the fellowship, but if you lose one of your toes, you're still going to be lame. We need to recognise that we love the Lord, love his body. Paul quotes the, the exact words of Jesus in verse 23 of chapter 11 at the end of verse 24 sorry at the end of the verse it says this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me we partake of the bread to remember the body of Jesus that body is still with us it's you and I he goes on in verse 25, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We remember that he died for us. His body broken, his blood shed. We should love each other as we allow his love to invade our lives 
the more we have of Jesus, the more love that we have. Just going on then to verse 28. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognising the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak, many among you are sick, and a number have fallen asleep. If we were judged, if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we will be disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Heavenly Father, I pray that as your word begins to percolate in our hearts, that we will not reject it, allowing the devil to take it away like the birds on the, uh, taking the seed from the path, that we won't allow it to be strangled by our worries and anxieties in life, that we won't allow it to be crushed in the path because there's no soil, soil, but that we will open our hearts, open our minds, and allow you to wash us clean. Wash us clean for your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you all.